welcome to the 1,000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I'm the founder of 1,000 Hours Outside, and I have a dear, dear friend on with me today, Zan Tyler. Welcome. Hi, Ginny. It is so great to be with you. (laughs) This is awesome. We're going to be together, actually, in person in just a week or two at the Alliance Conference, which is a conference that homeschool organizations come together and talk best practices and really try and help serve their states in the different laws that they have and all the information and those types of things. And that's really a big part of your story. Yes. And it's really, it's just really fun. I love seeing your kids there, Jenny. And I loved watching your kids sing last year. It was just so, well, one was so cute and one was just great. And we just loved, we just loved watching. We love watching your family. You're so sweet. They Last night, actually, we were talking about if they're going to do a song again this year. They like to perform. It's a really cool thing. They don't seem to get nervous. Where do they get that from? <laughs> I get really nervous, though. And they seem to be like cool as cucumbers. So totally different than how I feel. But they've actually performed around the country at these different homeschool conferences. And it's been a really fun thing. So one of the things that I'm so excited about, Zan, is when I was reading on your website and in your book, which your website, zantyler.com, your book, which is a perfect one for moms because it's a short one, Refined, A Homeschool Mom's Call to Trust, a great book to grab. I learned along the way that Joe calls you Zanny. <laughs> he calls me Zanny and Zanny Bird. And if he ever just calls me Zan, I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought, well, this is a great little piece of information because I love Zanny and I didn't know that. And it's super cute. Has he called you that like from the beginning? Um, He's called, yes, he's got nicknames for everybody. So okay. he'll have to come up with one for you before we, we see you. <laughs> yes, sir. Our daughter is Lizzie Bird, our son Ty is T-Bird, and John is (laughs) (laughs) J-Bone. That's really precious. I love it. I was like, well, this is a fun thing that I learned. Zanny. So, Zanny, we started homeschool this week. We started on Tuesday. Today's Thursday. And Uh I was overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed every year. And so I'm so grateful that you came on. You have your own podcast, the Zan Tyler podcast, where you talk about homeschooling and Our whole audience doesn't homeschool. Some do, some don't. Some do hybrid, some do public, some do private, charter, all of the different things. But I always say that homeschool principles, a lot of times just apply to general parenting. Yes, that's right. So episodes like this are good for everyone. There's going to be something to get out of it. But also for the parents that are homeschooling, like myself, and feel a little overwhelmed here at the beginning of the school year. I think that this is going to be such a gift to them, a breath of fresh air. And then they can go to your podcast, which is exclusively homeschool content for the most part, and find so much more. You have podcast episodes about preventing burnout. You talk about the importance of being present. You talk about college. You just had on Jean Burke and she talked about getting kids into college for free. Mm -hmm. You talk about your sanity leadership, all of these different things. I'm just so grateful that you're here. I need it. I thought on Tuesday, I'm wide-eyed staring at these kids, these five kids that are second grade to 10th grade thinking, oh, what am I doing? It is, it's shock the first week of school. I mean, when you homeschool, 
the world is your classroom and life is a learning experience, but there is something <laughs> profoundly, mm, I don't know. It, it just, when you start that first day of school officially, it just like, it's okay. Whoa. We, you know, we, we yeah. got to keep it here now. It's, it's the schedule. And then it's also the weightiness. There's a lot of weightiness that goes along with it. Like, okay, I'm really responsible for this. And I don't want to sell my kids short. And am I going to be able to do enough for them and to provide enough for them? And I still, I'm I'm the type that really believes that the kid can take the lead. I know you're in the same spot. Like these kids really can drive a lot of their education. Mm -hmm. And I, I see, I see how much they grow outside. I see how much they grow through our travels. And yet still, I come at it with shaky knees. So that was Tuesday, just two days ago. And I thought, well, in two days, I'm going to talk to Zan and then I'm going to feel better. <laughs> You know, Jenny, we've talked a lot and you know my story. I was threatened with jail when we started homeschooling and I spent eight years in the legislature and court. But people ask me the hardest thing about homeschooling and it's not that. I mean, I will tell you, it's not fun having policemen at your door or the state superintendent of education looking you in the eyes and saying, I'm going to have you put in jail if you do this. But the hardest part is just what you said. The buck stops with us as homeschooling moms. Mm -hmm. I always said, if my kid has a character issue, I can't blame the bad kid he sits next to in school. Right. Or if they don't do well on the SAT, I can't talk about that crummy algebra teacher they had in their school situation. You know, it. C.S. Lewis talks about the weight of glory. And I do mm -hmm. think that homeschooling is a glorious thing, but I don't think real glory comes without that weight. And if somebody's going to be blessed, somebody's going to bear the burden for it. You know, mm. we want homeschooling to be a blessing, but I mean, like Christ bore our burden for our sin and he died and he rose again so that we could have eternal life. And, mm -hmm. and in the same way we die, I mean, we lay down our lives for our children. I mean, we, they can't be blessed with this homeschool experience if somebody's not bearing the burden. And that's mm. mom and dad. And I don't mean that like we're martyrs or it's not fun, but it, it it's a like you say, it's a weighty thing. I think you just have to name that yeah. and embrace it and not try to deny it and make it an easy thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's normal. Yeah. It's what everyone is feeling once it starts. Yes. Is the weight yes, of that pressure, right. the weight of the consequences of it. And yet it is such a beautiful life. I mean, I tell people all the time, it's the best decision we've ever made. And I don't regret one second of it, even though I am nervous about it a lot. And I feel inadequate a lot of times. But you look back and you see, you can see the fruit of it. You see the growth. You see how everyone is thriving, including the parents. Yes. I have grown so much too. So yes. there's that. One of the things I think about when I think about your story is what you just brought up a few minutes ago is that at least, <laughs> at least it's legal. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good thing. <laughs> Here I am, you know, sort of in this, woe is me, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know if I can do this. And then I take a step back. And that's one of the things about your stories, Anne, that helps me get through because I think, okay, okay, well, at least I'm not having to do this plus go in and fight these legislative battles. Can you talk to us? I mean, it's a good perspective, Zan. It's good to step back and say, at least I'm doing it when there's co-ops and there's the internet and there's so many different curriculum options. I'd love for you to talk through 1980s homeschooling. What was that like in South Carolina, both personally, because 
don't you say you're like you didn't know anyone else? We didn't know anybody in the world that homeschooled when we started homeschooling. That start there. And I'm an extrovert. You know, you know, <laughs> I just love people. So we, our kids, it was a thing for me to be a stay-at-home mom. There were two things I said I'd never do in college, and that was teach or have kids. And <laughs> I was a Christian. I was totally, you know, I, I was, but I was totally committed to having a career. My dad was an attorney by training. He wasn't um, practicing law at the time, but I just always wanted to go to law school and practice law with him. And I had been politically involved as a teenager and a high school college student. I mean, I loved all of that. And I just thought, mm. this is what I'm going to do. And so all of a sudden, our junior year in college, Joe proposes to me and he was my best friend. And I didn't speak to him for six weeks because he, he was ruining my life plan, you know, I, and uh, so we, we did get married right after college. Did he say Zanny? Did he say, Zanny, will you marry me? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, we were, this came out of the blue because we were really best friends. And I was not expecting that at all. Just, we just talked about that on our podcast, our story. Uh, so that that's a really funny thing. But I never expected to be a stay-at-home mom I never expect to be a mom, much less a stay-at-home mom. And so here I am, a stay-at-home mom. And my oldest son, Ty, whom I love and adore, he was this gregarious, fun kid. And he was in kindergarten. He was the only one not reading well, um, not reading fluently. And, and I was worried about him. And I had been committed not to teach. So I didn't know how to help him. <laughs> <laughs> and so a friend of mine had mentioned had told me, Zan, I'm going to homeschool Nat. She was years older than me. And I mean, I was a young mom and she had taught in public school. And she said, I've decided through my experiences there that I'm going to homeschool. Well, Jenny, to hear that word in 1984, they were getting their master's degrees and preparing to go to Kenya on the ma a mission field. So they lived in this little mobile home. And you know, that scene from Star Wars, where Luke and Han Solo and Princess Leia and Wookiee Chewbacca and that trash compactor and the walls start coming in. <laughs> That's how I felt. When she said the word homeschool, I thought, I got to get out of this house because I just felt like the walls were closing in on me. And she gave me a book to read, Homegrown Kids. And I thought, Lord, I am not doing this. <laughs> I, I had a conversation with the Lord all the way home telling him, all the reasons I would never homeschool. I mean, it was 1984 and we really knew, knew, knew no one who homeschooled. So I was very adamant. I read the book. I was so enthralled and fascinated with what education could look like. I mean, I, had, I, I was a voracious student but grades had defined me in a lot of ways. But I took advantage of all school had to offer. And I was like a neurotic mess when I graduated from college. You know? <laughs> and so I'm thinking about this. Can parents do this? I mean, it was like this, Dr. Moore described this warm, responsive home where mm -hmm. parents were in charge of the so socialization. Not that there's no socialization. I mean, you know, all of our kids, they're well socialized, but where service can be a priority and looking out for the needs of others and, 
and education on the academics only takes two or three hours a day, starting out in elementary school and sometimes not that long in first and second grade. Mm-hmm. And I was, I mean, I was hooked, but I couldn't get past the fact that we knew nobody who did this. We didn't know what it looked mm-hmm. like. There was no research. You know, we didn't have anybody to go to to be mentored or an organization to help. I just remember, I mean, I, I used to walk early in the mornings when Joe was in town. He was on the road a lot in those days, but I would walk for an hour and that was my prayer time. And I just remember telling the Lord, I'm sorry, I cannot do this. It's not that I don't want to, but I cannot. And I remember running home, getting the boys, taking them to the school district office and just explaining the situation here. I had had him tested and he had a high IQ, but there was a disparity in his verbal and nonverbal IQ. And they said, you know, this puts him at a risk for a learning disability. Give his brain hemispheres a chance to catch up with each other and mm-hmm. and he'll be fine. And he is fine. So anyway, so the school district said, yes, you can hold him back. Then they changed their mind at the last minute. I'm making this way too long, Jenny. No, this is what people want to know. They changed the school district in May when everybody started getting all their information about kindergarten and orientations. I didn't get mine. And I called the principal and he said, Miss Tyler, you can't put your first grader in my K-5 program. I've put him in the first grade. And I said, well, you know, your staff Mm -hmm. told me that he could uh, be in K-5 and now private schools are filled. What am I going to do? And he basically said, well, that's your problem because he's going to be in the first grade if he comes to my school. And so I had been a, a great student in high school. I was one of the top kids in my class and I was real close to the principal and the administration there. And it was a new school and I didn't graduate early because they, you know, a couple of them said, why don't you stay and help us get some things off the ground? And I worked on some programs with the school and so, I, you know, my principal, I babysat for his kids. And by this time, then he's the associate superintendent of education for the district. And I called him up and I just said, Dr. Hudgens, you know, I have a problem. We had lived in Philadelphia and Boston for a couple of years. And when we moved back, we moved back to this school district on purpose. And mm-hmm. so, I, you know, I was just telling him all that. It's good to be back in Columbia. And now I've got this problem. And he said, well, what do you need from me? And I said, could you just write a note giving me permission to hold tie back? This was kind of getting to be a thing. It was in the day where people were discovering if they held their boys back, they would be great athletes. You know, they'd have a year up on everybody. So, I mean, I had several friends who had had that done for them. And so I thought, well, this is an academic reason. And he said, well, I just can't do that. And I said, well, then I guess I'll have to homeschool. And I knew the minute I said the word homeschool, he would say, okay, Zan, let's take care of this problem. But he didn't. He just said the the school district's gotten lenient with that kind of thing. I later discovered there had been one person in the history of the district who had homeschooled and she was a certified teacher. And I think she only homeschooled for a year. But we had to hire an attorney, Jenny, to find out the homeschool law because the State Department of Education wouldn't give us the information and our local school district would not give us the information. Uh, this attorney, uh, we found out the law. I mean, I had to give a application with 36 weeks of lesson plans, fire escape plans, what our lighting was, how many books in our house, uh, letters of recommendation. I remember I've had letters of recommendations from a doctor, one of the kids' doctors, our pastor and somebody else. And, And the school district turned me down. They just 
turned me down. They didn't think homeschooling should be a thing. So it didn't matter that I was complying. And so I called my attorney back and I said, what do I do now? And he said, well, you appeal to the state board of education, but then they're going to rubber stamp what the school district did. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, that means you end up in family court. And I said, okay, then. And I'm telling God, I told you this was a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. And so I had this brainstorm. Um, The state superintendent of education had actually, when he was getting his PhD, he had observed my mother's public school classroom. She was a great public school teacher. So she was teaching fourth grade. I was in the fourth grade and our rooms were connected by a bathroom, kind of like mm-hmm. a Jack and Jill situation. Yeah. And so every day after school, I would go in mom's class and Dr. Williams would be there and I would talk to him. So I knew him and I called him up and I said, Dr. Williams, this is Ann Tyler. I'm Sybil Peter's daughter. I have a problem. Can I come see you? And he said, he said, honey, I'll clean off my calendar, clear off my mm-hmm. calendar. Come on up. And so I, I told him. And this is a a friend, I mean, not a close personal friend, but he knew my mother well and a friend of the family. And I said, you know, this is what's happened. I I did all my due diligence. I had Ty tested. We were going to let him start first grade a year late so that he would be at his prime. Then the school district reneged and private schools are filled and we tried to homeschool. And now our application has been denied. And I just need help. And Jenny, I thought he was going to say, Zan, you are a concerned mom who loves your child. Let's see what we can do. And instead, he looked at me and he said, if you continue down this path to homeschool, I will have you put in jail for truancy. It was such a shock of all the things I expected that day. That was not it. Wow. Because here you are. All you want to do is give your kid a shot. Yes. I, I want to do the best thing for my kids, which is what you assume the schools want to do too. Yeah. And all you're doing is asking. He just needs one more year. And yeah. I think that's one of the big things about homeschooling is that kids mature at all sorts of different rates. They learn things at all sorts of different rates. And I have talked to people, Zan, who are authors, who are well known in their fields of study, who didn't learn to read till they were eight. 10, 12. And here he is five years old and you say he just needs a little bit of extra time. And they're saying, we're going to put you in for truancy. Yes. So, I mean, that is what I do love about homeschooling is the flexibility to tailor make an education for each child and let them progress at their own rates, for heaven's sakes. Somebody said, as a homeschool mom, homeschool moms are always worried about kids being behind. And he said, behind what? Wish mm-hmm. I could remember who said that. And that is such a good point. I mean, well, this is what I love. <laughs> I tell you what, we use this math, you see, and I like it. I used to be a math teacher. We're not affiliated with them, but I like Steve Demi, who created it, his family. I think they're just a fantastic family. And it's called Matthew, the letter U, Matthew C. And that's what we use with our kids, Ann. And I love that their math books are not labeled by grade. They're labeled by like, it's like gamma, delta, beta, alpha. So just the other day, one of our kids was like, well, I'm in the fifth grade, but I'm only in this fourth grade math book. And I was like, it doesn't say fourth grade on the title. <laughs> you know, it says epsilon or whatever. And I love that. What if we could do that with everything? Like, oh, you're just in that one. Or some of their, they have a spelling program, Tuesday. It's just labeled with letters. So there's like the A book and the B book and the C book. It's like, not like this is for third graders. And I mean, because who came up with that anyway? That whole structure. Why do, why do we have to learn this at this age and this at that age? 
So I, I do love that you can have some flexibility. And I love when the curriculum writers think that through and they come out with things that don't put you in that box where your kid feels behind. Because I do think that those, from being a public school teacher myself, that those labels and those times when they feel inadequate and that they are behind in comparison to everyone around them, those carry through. They carry through. I met high schoolers and it carried through with their math and they felt like they were behind and they'd been behind for years. And anyway, this story is so inspiring to me because like I said, when I start to feel overwhelmed, then I think back about your story and I think about how much harder, like you have no one to talk to. You have no one that believes in it. No one that has all this experience yet. And here you are, don't want to be a mom don't want to be a stay-at-home mom, don't want to be a homeschool mom, and now you're fighting for something that you didn't even want to do in the first place. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot, and for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com outside120 code outside 120. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 1000 hours. I think a lot of moms, like if you walk into an office and someone says, I'm going to put you in jail for truancy and you've jumped through all these hoops and you've done all this work, a 36-week lesson plan that I would imagine that most people would throw in the towel, but you didn't. You know, Jenny, I have to say, it never even dawned on me to quit. Hmm. I have no explanation for that because it's not like I, at the time, I mean, now I have this vision for homeschooling that I love to lay out for people, but I didn't then. I just wanted to do the best thing for my child, which really is a great vision for homeschooling. I mean, as Jim Mason says, this is a love your kids movement. 
And it's true. But yes, I I remember saying to Dr. Williams, well, then you'll have to put me in jail. And (laughs) I left. And I remember thinking, you know, I really believe in out of body experiences now because I remember thinking, who said that? I mean, it was like so surreal, you know, and I thought, well, nobody else in this room who said that. (laughs) So the funny thing is, my parents lived three miles from us. Joe's parents lived less than a half a mile from us. And we were all very close. We had not told them we were homeschooling. We had gone through all this rigmarole with the school district and being turned down. And now Charlie Williams tells me he's going to put me in jail. And my hearing is like a week away. So I thought, I got to go tell my parents because I don't want them to read about it in the newspaper. Now, this is something I think a lot of people could relate to. We can't relate to the legal battles, although we can look back and think about them. And I also say to a lot of people like, look, we have to make sure this continues to be an option for our kids. We know now that this is a fantastic option for kids and for families, academically, socially, emotionally, physically, spiritually, if that's something that a parent is looking for. This is for the whole child. So now we know there's research on it, substantial research. And so it's important to fight like how you fought to make sure that these freedoms are there for our kids. But your legal battles and police coming and someone saying you might go to jail, we don't really relate to that, right? We don't have to go through that. But I think a lot of us do relate to telling the parents. I met a mom just recently at a conference and she came up and said she had brought her parents with her to the conference because in order to homeschool, they had to move in with their parents for a period of time in order to make it work financially. And I think a lot of families are making those big choices to say, my kid is really struggling, I'm making this big choice. But she said, we moved in with my parents and they don't believe in this. They don't think it's the right move. And so she had brought them to the conference and she was so grateful that they got to hear these different messages. But this is something that people relate to, right? Which is the, tell the parents and a lot of people, the parents were the superintendent, the parents are the principal, the parents were teacher. Sometimes even the parents are just offended because it's a different choice than they made. And they made. Yes, that's right. That's right. So we relate. So how'd it go? You're you're going to the parents to tell them you're doing something that no one else is doing. So it's it's real interesting because my dad was very involved in the Columbia community. He was chairman of the board of the Baptist hospital system. And that was all pro bono. You know, he was just such a renaissance man in so many ways and had his fingers in so many things. So I'm thinking the newspaper is going to say John Peter's daughter goes to jail, not peon homeschool moms and Tyler that nobody cares about, you know. And so I go and I tell them and I say, mom and dad, I just want you to know I'm homeschooling Ty this year. Um, Mom, here's my research. It was a pamphlet. And dad, here are all my legal briefs. He was an attorney by training. Charlie Williams just threatened to put me in jail. And I didn't want you to read about it in the newspaper. And all of a sudden, Jenny, I just lost it. I mean, I lost it. And I left and I went home. And my poor parents, I mean, we were very close, but I had always been a little bit of a maverick in the way I treated things. And anyway, I just, I felt so bad for my parents. I didn't know what to do because Mm -hmm. I knew that this wasn't going to be something that was socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. It was not. I mean, I can just say that it was not socially acceptable, but you know, my dad, he was so mad at the way I had been treated. 
Bless his heart. He stood by me. He lobbied with me. He cashed in political capital and all kinds of things to help me through those eight years. And when we had the bill signing of our final law in 1992, after eight years of being in court and lobbying, you know, dad's right there with me in the picture with the governor and our legislative team and, you know, a couple of the senators and representatives who had helped us. So he, um, as a matter of fact, he was speaking at a um, hospital graduation for nurses the next day. And one of our senators, U.S. senators' wives was there that I had worked for in high school. And he said, Nancy, um, Zan's in trouble. And I want to know what the senator is going to do for her um, now. And this is before cell phones. So she goes and finds a wall phone, calls his chief of staff, tells him the problem. And so the next day, dad gets a call from the chief of staff and says, John, don't worry. We're overnighting a letter. The senator's telling Dr. Williams her program's legal. We've looked into it. And then the next day, he gets another call and says, forget that. The senator's flying down to meet personally with a state superintendent of education on Zan's behalf. So the senator flies into the office and says, uh, Charlie, this is legal. You need to get off her back and approve her program. So I start getting calls from the committee um, with the State Department of Education. Oh, honey, you just come on down and make sure your paperwork is filled out right. <clears throat> we want this thing to go through. And please come to the meeting. We would just love to meet you and your <laughs> husband. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm tempted to go... <laughs> But on the other, <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm so thankful. You know, I was so thankful, and so we were approved that first year to homeschool, and it was not a pleasant year. I mean, we had place. We lived in a very quiet neighborhood at the time. We weren't out in the country like we are, are now, and we would have policemen drive by. I mean, they'd never seen a policeman in our neighborhood before. You know, so ostensibly to are are they are you inside are you homeschooling and we would get a lot of phone calls during the daytime i think we were like one of the first people in the universe to get this there was no caller id to get this callback service from southern bell joe said you are so paranoid i said look i don't care if i don't eat for a week i'm paying for this service to find out who was calling me it was not only my school district it was other school districts in the state asking me for personal information without identifying themselves. So then I could call back and I could say, Mrs. Beach, I think you just called me from District 1. And, you know, oh, no, I didn't call you. I said, yes, but you did. What was it? So it was, you know, it was just that type of thing. But I think the thing that was the hardest is that we had friends who wouldn't let their kids play with our kids anymore. We had people at church who wouldn't speak to us. We had some family members. Joe's parents were, and I understand it, they were quite upset with our decision to homeschool. So it was really a disruptive decision. Wow. And I love people and I want people to be happy. You know? mm. <laughs> that was really, really difficult. And then the next year, so we decided to homeschool a second year because I will tell you, I'd been a stay-at-home mom all this time. The kids had been in preschool and kindergarten, just half days. But the difference I saw in our family life and our children, it was like remarkable. I can't describe it in words, and I'm a word person, but it was like life was more robust and rich and our relationships were deeper and Ty had relaxed and was reading and 
it was amazing. So I tell Joe, you know, I'd really like to homeschool another year. And he said, yeah, I was kind of afraid this was coming. (laughs) He does a workshop now called The Reluctant Homeschool Dad. But he just became the biggest supporter, you know, after several years. And so it was that year. So by now, then that was like 85. And that November or December, I had a knock on my door late one night. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is not good. Because, you know, we had threatened, been threatened to have our kids removed from our home. I didn't know if it was going to be the police, DSS, or, you know, who was going to be at my door. Well, it was our neighbor. He said, Dan, do you have a minute? I said, yes. And he said, you know, I'm the head of a state agency. And he said, you know how Peggy and I feel about homeschooling? We don't like it. Mm. And, and she had been my sister's cheerleading sponsor in high school. They were just a great family. And our boys were best friends. And he said, but we do love y'all. And you need to know this. There's a state register where agencies can submit regulations and they automatically become law if nobody stops them. The legislature just doesn't even have to vote on them. They sit for 90 or 180 days and they just become law. And he said the state has introduced uh, regulations that would require homeschool parents to have a college degree and only use state approved text. That was the beginning of our actual lobbying and understanding Mm. the civics behind it and the legality of it all. And that's when Joe and I got involved in a much more public way in terms of homeschooling. And it's much too long a story to tell. But, you know, it was really until 1992, every year was a new legislative campaign or a legal battle. HSLDA came in, Mike Ferris came in with D. Black and filed a class action suit, which was huge. It was like Narnia. It was always winter, but never Christmas in South Carolina homeschooling. Mm. Joe and I started in 1990, a homeschooling organization in the private sector for very brave, bold homeschooling parents, the South Carolina Association of Independent Homeschools. And there's a legal reason for the name. It's very cumbersome. We call it SCAES. And Mm. um, all the powers that be said, Zan, they, we had legal footing. We had worked out with Mike Ferris and Homeschool Legal Defense. And they said, just keep keep test scores for two years. Homeschoolers do great. That's when you'll end up in court. Well, uh, two months later, 11 of our families are served with truancy notices. You know, some of them with spotlights uh, at the door and coming at night to the children. Yes. And so, you know, it was but in 1992 through you know, just a lot of work from a lot of people, a lot of fasting, a lot of prayer. Uh, the General Assembly passed a law that named our organization SCAES on equal footing as local school districts in approving homeschooling programs. And they use the word approve and monitoring. We don't like that. We like the word, you know, we approve homeschooling programs, but we are there to support parents. We have a staff of consultants or counselors that are for elementary, middle school, high school, special needs, you know, all types of things. And so um, Mike Ferris made the comment to me that it was the first time in the history of the country that a state legislature by name had given a private sector organization the same power as local school districts Mm. in being in charge of homeschooling programs. So it was really a quite remarkable process and a quite remarkable thing to see. 
Zan, what a journey, what a journey for something that you didn't even want to do in the first place. And I love how you wrote in your book, your book, Refined, A Homeschool Mom's Call to Trust. You talked about, well, you call it underground homeschooling, which is just such an interesting thing. It was not that long ago. I know there are people that are listening into this podcast that grew up in the 80s or grew up in the 90s. I mean, this is happening during everyone's childhoods that this was completely illegal. It's hard to even wrap your head around. I actually talked to a man recently named Joel Salatin, and he is a farmer in Virginia. He's got all these really cool books. He's like a famous farmer. And he said that he didn't, he'd never even heard the word homeschooling. Then he heard it on the radio and thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do with our kids. But it was one of those things. I mean, now it's everywhere, but there was a time period where no one even really knew what that was. And like we talked about earlier, now there's a lot of research backing it. But you said, I knew that deciding, this is why I think your story is so impactful for moms now, because this is hard. But when we take a step back and put ourselves in your shoes, I think it helps me at least be very grateful. It helps me be grateful that people came ahead and did all of this heavy lifting because it's kind of hard enough. And then you think, well, what if I had to do this, but also really be on the front lines fighting for it in a world where people are shunning you? You said shunned by many, embraced by very few. But then you wrote, I knew that deciding to homeschool would cause chaos in our lives and bring some negative repercussions. I just had no idea how negative, how far reaching, how upending the chaos and repercussions would actually be. So when you talk about the weight of glory, you carried a heavy weight, Zan, to make this happen and to push it through. And so people can come to you and find out so much information about leadership, be inspired. How do we make it through these really heavy, hard days? And you have got the information because you did it plus. You did it without all these things that we have and you did it without support and you did it alone and it made just such a huge difference. So if someone's listening, and I think a lot of people, I don't know, a lot, maybe not a lot, maybe there used to be a lot, but someone might say, well, hey, someone should have a college degree in order to teach their kids. That sounds like a good idea. So the state should be able to approve what you do. The state should know, or you should have to get everything checked. And now that you've done this for decades and that you've been involved with families all over the country in homeschool situations, what would you say to someone who maybe doesn't really know anything about homeschooling, but would think, well, yeah, that makes sense. They should definitely have a homeschool degree and they should definitely have X, Y, and Z. What would you say to them? You know, the first thing I would say is there was a bunch of research done. Um, I would either in the late 90s, maybe around 2000. And one of the studies done by HSLDA looked at the educational level of parents from high school, GEDs, to people with graduate degrees. Mm -hmm. And there was not a statistical difference in the outcomes of the children. I mean, maybe three or 4% between a person with a college degree and a person with a high school degree. And I read this book and there was a quote by a man named Dr. Steve uh, Peavy. What was his first name? I can't remember his name, but he made the comment that, Getting involved in the homeschooling community, he learned so much about the power of love and commitment that parents have in the education of their children. He said, I wish I could convince my colleagues at Columbia and Harvard and Yale of these things. And I think it's that parents 
I keep this. Um, uh, I'm trying to see if I have it up. I, I have this plaque in my office somewhere that says a worried mom does better research than the FBI. <laughs> and, you know, we have this heartfelt need to see our kids succeed and we will do whatever it takes. My mother was a public school teacher and she said, she said, when I stepped into a classroom, my education did not prepare me to teach. She said, teaching prepared me to teach. And I just had to learn the ropes. And, you know, in institutional school, a lot of it is group management. It's not tutoring, but homeschooling is so effective because you know your child. You can diagnose their learning styles, their personality types. You know what um, motivates them and what demotivates them, what crushes them. Mm -hmm. So really, you can create an education that embraces the child and not just standards. And I'm not saying that they're not, there's not a body of knowledge our kids need to know. I mean, I totally, I mean, I'm a book person. I love all that part of it, but we start with the child, not a scope and sequence chart. And we know the child and God's calling on the child. And then we just work with that as homeschooling parents. It's efficient. You know, we've had so many people call us and say, um, you know, we're finishing in an hour and a half with this first grader. What are we doing wrong? And, you know, you're doing everything right mm -hmm. because there have been, you know, all these studies in the classroom that show, you know, you might have a seven hour day, but there's classroom time, instruction time, engage time. And a headmaster at a private school who homeschooled here in Columbia you know, said that engaged time is when you have that child and you're looking eye to eye in true instruction and learning is happening. And that's a very small fraction of an institutional school day. And so I love it because then you do the academics. It's a nice but very manageable part of your day. You have time to serve other people. You have time for extracurriculars and experiences that really develop those passions and interests that your children have. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's an efficient but powerful way to educate. Did I answer your question? You sure did. <laughs> a college diploma. <laughs> you sure did. It's efficient. It doesn't matter the educational level of the parents. I know the National Home Education Research Institute, which is nheri.org. Yes. They've got all of the statistics there too. And one of the ones that they have is that they actually say that homeschool students score better, yes. which I always say, look, I don't care about that. I don't care if my kids, it's not a competition. I don't care if kids score better or worse, but at least you know that it's comparable. And it says, regardless of the mother's education level, regardless. Right. So even if you have a mom that didn't graduate high school herself versus a mom that has a PhD, and also it doesn't take into account the type of homeschooler that you are, because that was something that has come up in the last, I don't know how long. Like when you first started, you're just a homeschooler. Now you could be like a Charlotte Mason homeschooler or a classical homeschooler. There's all these different types of homeschoolers right, right. that people kind of find themselves in these different camps, these different educational philosophies. But the fact that homeschool students academically, they score just fine. It doesn't matter the mother's education level and it also doesn't matter your philosophy or what you're doing for your particular kids that works for them. 
And so I think those are important things for people to know and they can find more information through the NHERI.org. Different books out have a lot of the information. Now it's been studied for decades. And also you can just see it. Yes, you can just see it. You can just see it. There's this man named Stephen Ranella who has this Netflix series. It's about getting outside and he's like a hunter. His show is called Meat Eater and he's been on our podcast a couple of times. Oh my word, my husband loves his podcast. <laughs> yeah, he's got a really famous podcast. But he's been on ours a couple of times and he says in one of his books, like, I don't need research to tell me that going outside is going to make me feel better. Like, I don't need it. Right. I think it's the same is true for homeschooling. Like you said it, Zan, you said I did it for one year with all this opposition. You didn't want to do it in the first place, but you did it for one year and you saw it. You didn't need the research to say, "Mm, my kids are thriving. I'm thriving. I want to keep doing this. And so the research is there, but also just from personal experience. Let's talk about um, in this last bit of time that we have, because there there can be some burnout. And your book is such a great one. It talks about different things for burnouts, refined a homeschool mom's call to trust. Also, people can come to your podcast, which is all about homeschooling, the Zan Tyler podcast. There's over 50 episodes there. You just celebrated your one year anniversary. So huge congrats, amazing guests that you've had on. But in your book, you use this like stop, drop and roll analogy. (laughs) (laughs) for burnout. And I like it. So one of the things you say is stop, drop and take a break. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember to sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to 
factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. So what can we do if we're just feeling we're in those days? Maybe it's the middle of the winter. Maybe we're having health problems. Maybe a parent just passed. All of these different things and we're feeling some burnout. What can we do to stop, drop, and take a break? Well, you know, one of the things, Jenny, that you know, and I've got a chat from the book about this, stop, drop, and go outside. Mm -hmm. There is something about just going outdoors, and I'm preaching to the choir, I know that, that just can be a game changer. But I, I think we do our kids a disservice when we don't embrace all the positives of homeschooling. There are a lot of hard parts of it. But in your school day, you know, you have the opportunity to take breaks, to do service projects, to go outside, to visit parents. You know, I, I really suggest to people that, and and on, actually on our pod, on my website, zantyler.com, I've got this ebook that Nancy Manos and I worked on together, Homeschooling During the Hard Days. And it gives a lot of these strategies that people can download for free. But, you know, make a list on a good day, interview your kids, ask them if there's somewhere you wanted to go or a field trip you wanted to take, what would it be? And then on those days, there's this book called The Brilliant Idiot, and it was written by a man with a PhD in education. So that is his autobiography, not mine, you know, not my words, his words. Mm -hmm. But he he was not a student and he was grew up in a primitive school. I don't understand it all in Canada, but he was beaten when he didn't know the right answer to the school problems. So he talks about what it's like to be learning disabled and have a mental fog. And he said, there are just some days still I wake up and I think there's nothing academic that's going to happen today. And I thought, you know, as a homeschooling mom, you know, if you wake up one morning and it's like this fog and the tone of the house in right, and you know, school isn't going to happen that day, or it gets to be 11 o'clock and everybody's at each other's throat. It's time to take a break. This is the beauty of homeschooling. You go to your list and, you know, we've been wanting to go to the beach if it's close enough, or we've been wanting to take a hike, or we've been wanting to go see great, great aunt Mary, who's in the nursing home. You know, you can do those things and change it up. I mean, I, I say this all the time, but the world is your classroom. There's nothing you're doing with your kids that doesn't have educational value unless you're just parked in front of a screen all the time. I mean, I, you, but you know what I'm saying. When you're together, you're interacting, you're building the relationship, you're serving other people. When Ty went to college, I was left with my son who was two years younger and Lizzie who was nine years younger. And so with Ty, we just took lots of breaks and we had lots of fun. He was our auditory kinesthetic learner. So Lizzie looked at me, she was like in the sixth grade. And after Ty had been gone, she said, Mom, Ty's been in college for three weeks. And all we've done is sit here at this table and do schoolwork. And he, she said, I've decided that if we keep going at this pace, I'm going to graduate from high school in two years, three months and seven days, because this is all we're doing. And she said, this has got to end. And, you know, <laughs> these were my two with a long attention span for book work. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, kids, just, it, the great thing about homeschooling is really the lifestyle and that mm -hmm. you can embrace learning in so many different venues and ways and 
I, I don't know. I, I just, it with all that has happened to us, and it was a long process, and I will tell you, it was not fun. Um, we, the reason Joe and I are still involved in the homeschooling community is because I believe so strongly in homeschooling, and I never want another mother to go through what I went through. I would rather mm-hmm. them have the ability to enjoy their kids more and worry less. I mean, we got plenty of other things to worry about, but that's really the attitude of my heart. Mm -hmm. So we just need to look at the beauty of homeschooling and know when to take a break and know how to do meaningful things and know how to go outside. And uh, something you said to me, Jenny, you said so many things to me that resonate. But one thing you said to me once is it's just easier to stay put. It is. Mm -hmm. Joe and I have talked about that so much. We just got back from California Um, We were with my daughter's kids for the week and somebody said, why do y'all travel so much? And I looked at Joe and I said, well, you know, it is easier to stay put. It's a lot of effort to pack a bag and go out the door and catch a plane or take a trip or, but you know, we can't just stay put. We need Mm -hmm. to live our lives and they need to be fulfilling lives for our Mm -hmm. kids. And I just can't think of a better way to do it than homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And, um, but Jenny, I got to thank you for everything you have meant to me in my life. Aww. You encouraged me to podcast and just listening to your podcast with my grandkids. My husband and my boys were really outdoors people, but I have to work on that because I could stay. I, I mean, I'm an extrovert, but if I'm not with people, I could stay inside all day and read or write or you know, and so I've really, since I've been married to Joe, I've really become much more nature oriented, but mm-hmm. your work is so crucial and it's really revolutionizing homeschools. I love this in your bio that you're a thought leader in um, nature education. I just think that's <laughs> so cool to be a thought leader. <laughs> well, you and I talked about, all you do is just say it. <laughs> you deem yourself. <laughs> you say the same thing. Well, Dan, this has been so encouraging for all of the listeners I know just to take a step back and to know that we've got it pretty good where we're at. You know, we have, it's very different than how it was even just a few decades ago in terms of support and resources and that type of thing. Encouraging to be a leader in the homeschool space and to make sure that we're fighting. You know, you wrote in your book, you wrote, I fought for the right to homeschool, not just for myself but for others. And so that's a task that we should be thinking about as well that goes on our own plate. But then you say this, teaching my children at home for 21 years has been one of the greatest joys and privileges I could ever imagine. I would like to snatch just one of those days back to be with my kids again, to hug them, to tell them how much I love them and save just a little more time with them. Wow. I always say, you know, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't do anything different. I just would want to do it again. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I would just, and we didn't talk about this a lot, but the relationship between moms and dads and siblings and all of that, those are, you know, those are deteriorating in today's culture. And with homeschooling, you have the opportunity to major in that. And that's such a worthy goal for Mm -hmm. homeschooling and such a part of it. Sam, thank you so much. Zantyler.com, the Zan Tyler podcast. Then there's the book, Refined, uh, Homeschool Moms Call to Trust. You have the free download when you're having a hard homeschool day on your website 
You have one minute to answer this question because we always do it at the end of our podcast. What's a favorite outdoor memory from your childhood? (laughs) The bookworm. (laughs) The end of the bookworm. I I think it's just, it was just playing outdoors in the afternoons when we would, we would walk to school. We would walk home. My dog, my German shepherd walked with me, sat in my classroom with me because my next door neighbor was my teacher and she loved dogs. And we would play on the reese and then we would walk home and we just played outside. It was just I mean, we didn't go hiking as a family and going to the beach. I mean, I guess that's going just going to the beach is always my favorite outdoor memory. But really, I just have memories of all the kids in the neighborhood playing outside till it got dark. Yeah, it's just a normal way. And that's the name of my new book until the streetlights come on. So there we go. I love that answer, Zan. (laughs) I I cannot wait to see you, Zan. Zanny, Zanny, Zanny. Thank you for being here. Thank you for all that you do for homeschool parents, for sharing your story, for helping us to be more brave and courageous. Um, And I can't wait to see you in a few weeks. Well, thank you so much. I can't either, Jenny. And thank you. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.